You are listening to Grab Them by the Pod, a member of the Ace Podcast Network. for joining us again here at Grab Them by the Pod for this Memorial Day edition of the show. Jesse, how are you tonight? Oh, I'm fantastic. You know, it's, it's a day where we remember everybody uh, who has fought for this country and, and fallen during those battles. And you know, it's also a day where we don't have to go to work, so we can think of you know, the right reasons to celebrate and also enjoy some of the fringe benefits. And one of those benefits is being able to do this podcast with you. And, uh, you know, that's always a good day. Certainly is. Well, we've been off the uh, the airwaves for a little while here, but uh, last weekend we had some fun in the democratic process, didn't, didn't we? Oh yeah, and it was so much fun. We were pooped for about a week and couldn't do a podcast. Uh, we attended the Connecticut State Convention. We are both delegates. You know, we're we're involved in local politics, as we've mentioned in this podcast many times. And uh, to anybody who has never been to a convention, it's kind of like what we see at the federal level, uh, only it's for uh, positions at the state level. So we had senator, governor, lieutenant governor, secretary of the state, comptroller, attorney general, treasurer. Uh, and it was definitely a very interesting experience. I can't say it was fun, but it was uh, informative and it was nice to make a difference. Yeah, it certainly was a very long and sometimes painstaking process as the Democratic Party in the state of Connecticut selected their nominees for each of those races that Jesse mentioned. Now, some of those races will come down to primaries this August because uh, certain people who were campaigning for them garnered enough support uh, at the convention to get themselves on the ballot. And so there'll be a primary. Others, there was no contention at all. And so that one person gets to now run uh, for the seat in November. And just give an idea of exactly how this whole process works. So say there's a position like uh, attorney general and there are maybe four people running. Each person is nominated. So they have a nominating speech and then a second seconding speech. And then sometimes even a third person talking. So all those go about eight minutes or so. Uh, Much to Jesse's chagrin. (laughs) Yes. Well, you know, uh, in a year like this, everybody is pretty much – running on the same platform issues-wise. It's more about you know, why they specifically would be better for this position than somebody else. Uh, then we would have a vote. And in years past, they told us uh, there was like a voice vote, so everybody had to say who they were voting for. This year, uh, each delegation by town uh, would write down a sheet, and the, the leader of that delegation would bring it up, uh, and that would go, and that would run relatively smooth. The problem kind of came up, though, uh, when it came to it. At a certain point, they allow you to change your votes, and they'd give you like five to ten minutes, but that process would somehow take 40 minutes. And that's, you know, where Jesse whined even more. Politics at its finest, all the wheeling and dealing behind the scenes that, uh, you know, the average person does not see but knows goes on. And we can attest now that it does, in fact, happen. Yeah, and nobody that we really supported that was in a contested race won. But, hey, you know, that's the way politics goes. Uh, and, and a lot of the people we did support are going to be in primaries later this year. So we'll see how that goes. We'll see uh, how the you know, November, I don't even want to think about November elections, but uh, I could say they're right around the corner. But, you know, what is the six Five months away, six months away, we're just we're getting there. We're less than a year. That's that's getting close. Uh, Be here before you know. Yeah, before you know it. So uh, it was nice to make a difference. That you know we don't just, as I've said in this past week, we don't just talk the talk. We walk the walk. We are uh, involved at the local level, and uh, we encourage everybody listening to get involved too. Because uh, if if you don't like how things are going and you want things to change, you're the person that's going to make that change. You're the person that's going to get involved. Uh, you know we're the next generation 
who unless you're older than your other previous generation, but <laughs> if you're of our generation, you're the next generation, and and we need you guys out there fighting the good fight. So. Uh, you know, I, I think this is a good way to start off the podcast, telling people that uh, as as grim as things can look on the national level, uh, there are some, uh, some some light at the end of the tunnel. There's some, a beacon of hope uh, in the people who really want to make a difference, and uh, hopefully we'll see that filtering up into uh, the federal level sometime soon. Yeah, as Tip O'Neill used to say, all politics is local. And so if you get involved locally and make changes happen there, uh, eventually it will make its way to the top. You know, the the state representatives of today can be the senators of tomorrow, and you never know who that might be. But uh, on to some of the more depressing things we usually talk about. Uh, let's talk about uh, President's Memorial Day message. You know, a lot of nice things are said by a lot of elected officials. John McCain uh, tweeted out a very respectful uh, tweet today. Uh, you know, for him, it's something that's very personal. Uh, but instead, the president chose to tweet out, Happy Memorial Day. Those who died for our great country would be very happy and proud of how well our country is doing today. Best economy in decades, lowest employment numbers for blacks and Hispanics ever, and women in 18 years. Rebuilding our military and so much more. Nice. What do you think about that, Kev? His choice of ending that tweet with the word nice. He couldn't come up with something better. And enough with the self-aggrandizing, all right? We get it. You've done so many wonderful things, you think. And you think that these people who died for this country would appreciate that. You know what? They'd probably appreciate it if you just shut up and knew your role. Uh, It reminds me of when Justin Bieber went to the Anne Frank house and in the guest book wrote – I would have hoped she'd be a believer if she was like still alive. Like, what? You don't have to make these events all about you. You can just, you know, discuss uh, what the, what the topic is and say respectful comments and leave it at that. Now, a lot of people are pointing to uh, the president's speech at Arlington National Cemetery and saying it was very nice and it, you know fit the mood, and that's great. And and that's how it should be. But why couldn't you just leave it at that? Why did he have to tweet out these ridiculous tweets making it all about him? I know a lot of people want to say we're always going to find something to complain about. And you know, maybe that is true to a certain extent. But I don't think we're wrong in saying it's annoying to hear him taking a day that you know, yeah, we all take for granted. But it, it means a lot to a lot of people and making it about him when it should be about the people who have actually fought and not, and not people who have you know, gotten draft deferments or had bone spurs in their feet. Yeah, Yeah, I say we shall remember in spite of him. Yes, I I agree. I agree. Um, So that happened today. But uh, over the last week or so, there's been a lot of new things in the news, a lot of ridiculous things in the news. And one of them uh, is the Trump uh, administration's new boogeyman. Uh, It's Spygate. No, Kevin, we're not talking about your beloved Patriots taping other teams. Hey, listen, I I still maintain innocence here. Again, it was not about the fact that they were taping, rather where they were taping from, okay? So we can move past this. So so Trump is basically trying to discredit Mueller's investigation. Uh, He's trying to convince people that everybody's out to get get him. You know, he's a very paranoid guy. Uh, And there were reports that a longtime U.S. government informant had approached members of the 2016 uh, campaign uh, during the presidential election and uh, tried to maybe glean some intelligence on Russian efforts uh, trying to sway the election election. Uh, and Trump has been calling this informant a spy, which is you know, a totally different thing. An informant and a spy are not the same thing. Uh, and there have also been reports that Trump's going around telling people that he confides in, uh, that he aimed to brand the FBI informant as a campaign spy because you know, it sounds more nefarious. It gets, gets the base worked up if you're a spy in the campaign. Never fear, folks, though. This guy's draining the swamp. Don't you worry. 
it's the problem is you, you can't drain a swamp and then just fill it up with more sludge and hope things are going to be different. And that's exactly what he's doing. And as you can see, he's not even really trying. He's been talking more in the open. I mean, this week, Leslie Stahl uh, had mentioned that I, prior to the election, uh, Trump had admitted to her that he purposely tries to discredit the media so that they won't they won't people won't believe them when he says they say bad things about him. It's just insane. And you know, I have to admit, maybe he's crazy like a fox. Cause it certainly is working. Yeah, real straight shooter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so following Trump's administration, the White House made kind of a weird decision, in my opinion. It's something I don't think you usually see uh, for most normal administrations. Uh, they arranged a briefing about classified documents for just two Republican House members, uh, you know, who obviously both 100% team Trump. Uh, welcome back, Devin Nunes and Trey Gowdy, uh, the people who are trying to take down Hillary Clinton a year and a half after the election still. And you got to trust these guys. Mm, yeah, I'll pass. Yeah, I will pass as well. Uh, so the Democrats rightly complained, and finally the White House said, okay, fine, we'll get you another meeting after the initial meeting. This is what, what they call the Gang of Eight, uh, and it's made up of the top Republicans and Democrats in the House and the Senate, uh, the people who are in charge of the intelligence committees in both the House and the Senate for both Republicans and Democrats. Uh, so we'll see what comes out of that, but I, I was reading something today, and it said, uh, I think it was Rick Wilson, I think he's a former uh, member of, a former Republican member of the House, said that you know, if there was something there, Devin Nunes would be running out, screening it from the, from the mountaintops, bringing it to the White House and the fact that you haven't seen that yet will lead you to believe there's probably really nothing there to worry about. Yeah, I'd imagine. Because um, these guys, they may make up stuff, and if you're not hearing even made up stuff right at this point from Nunes, I mean, there's got to be nothing there. So, um, and I love that the White House has given no evidence to support Trump's claim that the Obama administration is trying to spy on the campaign. But, you know, again, who needs evidence? Uh, it's no new news to anybody, whether it's Trump or to us, that the FBI was looking into Russian meddling during the campaign. I think that's been pretty common knowledge for a long time now, and they want to act like, oh, my God, this is crazy. This has to be stopped. It's, it's a huge scandal. Yes, an FBI, by the way, that was headed by a Republican at that. If you listen to Trump's tweets, no, they're, they're all Democrats. It's all these Democrats and Obama appointees, no Republicans, fake news, blah, blah, blah. You know, perhaps there's no evidence being given because they don't actually have any. What a crazy, crazy thought to have. I wonder why uh, no one in the Trump administration has thought of that yet. Uh, by the way, speaking of Trump's tweets, he had some really insane tweets. I mean, I say this every week, and I guess you know they aren't insane if you take them all uh, together. But we don't want to. We want to normalize it. We want to say, you know, he may be making these insane tweets for for two years now, but they're still just as insane now as they were back then. Uh, he's saying that Spygate may be the biggest political scandal or one of the biggest political scandals in history. Oh, uh, aren't they all according to him? Yeah, you know, it, one is bigger than the next. And that's a problem. When you start at the very top saying it's the worst in history, you can't just keep adding on that. You got to say it's really bad and eventually work up to being the worst. Uh, he said, not surprisingly, the great men and women of the FBI are starting to speak out against Comey, McCabe, and all the political corruption and poor leadership found within the top ranks of the FBI. Comey was a terrible and corrupt leader who inflicted great pain on the FBI. Hashtag Spygate. Uh, and I think this, by the way, is the worst and probably the scariest because it's really setting the, the setting the uh, scene to get rid of Mueller and just to discredit everything more so than he has already. He tweeted out, this whole Russia probe is rigged, just an excuse to why Dems and crooked Hillary lost the election in states that haven't been lost in a decade. 13 angry Democrats, that's again, makes no sense. Uh, and all Dems, if you include the people who worked for Obama for eight years, hashtag Spygate and conflicts of interest. <sighs> yeah, you can just 
sigh. I mean, what else? What else is there to say? Uh, I, I know that people listening to us may just be, you know, we're preaching to the converted to a certain degree, and we hope maybe some new people are listening to us. But how can you defend that if you're a fan of Trump? When all else fails, you drag out crooked Hillary. Yeah, it's well, you know, the newest thing about Hillary is she gave a speech at a commencement address and she was, uh, you know, covered up, you know, from the neck down in clothing. And people are like, it's 90 degree weather. Why is she all covered up? What is she hiding? Now, first of all, who cares if she's hiding something? She's not doing anything. Second of all, all of the men in the picture behind her are in full suits and ties and jackets, covered up the exact same amount behind her. But no one's questioning that because, one, she's a woman, and two, they just hate her with you know, a passion that really makes no sense at this point. Uh, and and then of course yeah, Rudy Giuliani is going out. But I don't know if you saw this, Kevin. I just saw this a few minutes ago before we started recording. That I guess today is Rudy Giuliani's birthday. And at Yankee Stadium, they announced, you know, we want to wish happy birthday to Mike, Joe, in the crowd. Good job. Oh, and wish a happy birthday to Rudy Giuliani. And the Yankee Stadium crowd booed him. And 17 years ago, if you could imagine anybody at Yankee mm. Stadium booing Rudy Giuliani, I would have told you you're insane. And that's how far he's fallen. How the mighty have fallen. It's, when you get to a point where Giuliani was in like 2001, 2002, your Times Man of the Year, your America's Mayor, just go away. I think I've said this before. Just go away, and you'll be that for the rest of your life. Where if you keep talking, it's it's kind of like in Seinfeld when when George would leave a a meeting after he tells a good joke. I'm out of here. Leave on top. Why stick around and ruin it? Yeah, you know, some people are just not humble enough to know when to take a bow and exit stage left. You know. Yeah, it's. And it's coming down and just crashing down all around him right now. I mean, Giuliani is insinuating that Obama is involved in all this stuff and said former CIA director John Brennan and former director of national intelligence James Clapper knew all about this. Uh, Brennan briefed Obama every day. Uh, you know, how could how could <laughs> I love this down down home charm? Gosh, how could you how could you escape it? He, he just thinks Obama must have known and. You know, I can understand you're not liking Obama's policies or his politics, but there's absolutely nothing <laughs> shown that would that would make you make me believe. I think make anybody believe that he was a dirty president, that he was doing stuff. You know, if he wanted to, he could come out and just ended the Trump campaign, you know, early and said, you know, he's working with Russians, but he didn't do that. I don't know why they're trying to push this Obama is bad narrative. Yeah, you know, according to Real Clear Politics, James Clapper uh, used the word spy. In an interview on uh, The View, saying that there were uh, they were there to investigate Russian meddling, and that the president should be happy that they were there, <laughs> looking into this, you know, this act against democracy and the American way. Obama really would have been screwed either way. If he didn't do anything, and here's where we are right now, if he did do something and Trump lost, Trump would have claimed he only lost because Obama meddled. Uh, and plus, he's a, a dirty foreigner because we all know uh, Trump's a big old birther, and he believes horrible things like that. Whole reason why he ran for president. Yep, yeah, and because Obama kind of uh, threw him some shade at one of the White House press briefings and the White House Press Association dinners. Look what happened. All is not lost, though. There are some Republicans who are kind of standing up against him. You know, Lindsey Graham, who is John McCain's BFF, uh, so, you know, Trump probably shouldn't use the term Spygate. Uh, Jeff Flake, who's been probably uh, the biggest voice on the right, especially because he's not running again for re-election, uh, said uh, the president had this diversion tactic. Obviously, with so-called Spygate, there's concern that the president is laying the groundwork to move on Bob Mueller or Rosenstein. If that were to happen, obviously, there would be a constitutional crisis. Yeah, bring it. You know, that's exactly what brought Nixon to uh, to his end. So bring it. 
And there's still talk of Jeff Flake possibly trying to run against Trump for the nomination. And obviously, it wouldn't be to beat him. I mean, he would not beat Trump for the nomination. But just to kind of be a thorn in his side. Same thing with John Kasich, too. Just to run, just to give Trump a hard time, and just for people who are Republicans who don't like Trump, um, you know, it, it, if you could make it so he doesn't have as clear a path to the general election, why not do it? I mean, if, if people want to donate their money, uh, go for it. Yeah, if nothing else, just to make President Trump spend more money. Yeah. Uh, and, and who knows, maybe he'll go back to the well and start talking to some Russians looking for even more uh, more stuff on whoever he's running against in 2020. Ooh, catch him in the act this time. <laughs> I think the Trump administration and his cronies are probably stupid enough to try it again. Uh, it'd be interesting to see. Uh, there's also been a lot of problems. Uh, I mean, there's been problems for a long time concerning immigration, but there's been a lot of problems brought up in the last couple of weeks uh, with what's going on here in America. Uh, Stephen Wagner, who's an official with the Department of Health and Human Services, testified that the United States has lost track of nearly 1,500, 1,475 children who had crossed the U.S.-Mexico border unaccompanied by adults and were placed with adult sponsors. And there's also been reports of children being separated from their parents in the U- at the U.S. border. I mean, that's not how we do things in America. It's not right. Yeah, you know, the Nazis separated families as well in the name of nationalism. So uh, we best be careful uh, in this situation uh, as to come off less than humanitarian. It, it's unnecessary. These things can be done without separating kids away from their parents, uh, even the, the ones that are the – I mean, some of them are so young they may not even remember their parents if they never get back together with them. Uh, and, and also earlier this month, Homeland Security Secretary Kristen Nielsen uh, defended their policy, uh, and this is the policy that results in families being uh, ripped apart. So, you know, it happens in America every day. It's no big deal. Uh, you know, Homeland Security has recently put together a policy that will refer anyone caught uh, crossing the border illegally for prosecution, even if they're claiming uh, that they therefore they're there for asylum or, or that they uh, have small children that they can't be taken away from. Uh, any parents who are prosecuted as a result of this are separated with their children in the process, and that's just unacceptable. I, I can't – I mean, we're kind of repeating the same thing over and over again because we're just dumbfounded with, with reading about this. How is this happening in 2018 in the United States of America? Yeah, right. Exactly. These are the types of things we fought World War II for. For all the advances, the steps forward we've taken over the years, uh, we've really backslid in some areas. And I can't believe some of the people that were fighting for freedoms decades ago, if they could see what was happening today, I think their minds would just be blown seeing what's going on. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say that there are no problems with people crossing the border. Uh, there are some unsavory individuals who are crossing the border, some of these MS-13 people that Trump likes to talk about. Yeah, sure, that happens, and that's absolutely horrible, and those people should be stopped and sent away. Most of these people are families just desperately trying to get away from horrible and dangerous situations. Do you think people just run away from their homes just on a whim because there's no big deal? No, and we have the ability to judge these people because we're sitting pretty in one of the greatest countries of the world. Uh, if, if If the shoe was on the other foot, I think we may be singing a different song, though. Yeah, what I wouldn't give to watch a reality television show in which Donald Trump has to live a day in the shoes of someone in this very situation. Uh, we need like a Freaky Friday situation to go on where he wakes up and he's in the in the brain of a you know migrant worker somewhere and he has to put in a days of honest. I mean, you, you and I, we all do an honest day's work and we work hard, but I don't think any of us could even comprehend having to go out there and do some of these jobs that we – these people that, that are being insulted by the Trump administration have to do every single day and then get the pay that they get on top of that. Yeah. Attacking the immigrant in this situation is missing the point on a much larger problem. And I know 
illegal immigration is an issue, and I know something probably should be done about it, but there's a middle ground. It's not you're either with MS-13 or you're against them. You know, that, that's how the Trump administration wants to put it. No, there's middle ground. You can say, you know what, uh, immigration reform is definitely needed, but as we always say, Kevin, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Uh, there, there are wonderful people who want to come to this country who have a lot to offer, and I think if we just push them away, uh, we're doing them a disservice, and we're doing ourselves a uh, disservice as a country as well. Mm. Uh, we're, we're seeing, actually, again, a second issue we're seeing Republicans standing up and saying things. Uh, Senator Rob Portman of Ohio, who worked in the Bush administration, in the Bush White House, uh, has repeatedly argued that it's a matter of humanity, uh, not just legal responsibility. And he said you know, there's been a case where federal officials turned some of these children over to human traffickers. What? Uh, he, he said, we've got these kids. They're here. They're living on our soil. And for us to just assume someone else is going to take care of them and to throw them out to the wolves, which has been, which is what HHS has been doing, is flat out wrong. I don't care what you think about immigration policy. It's wrong. And that's what, that's what you should be saying, that th- there's policy and then there's humanity. And some of these people, I can't believe they're actually human with what they want to do to these people. Yeah, you know, for all that the president has done to try to block immigrants, including those from Middle Eastern countries like Syria, what if these were Syrian children? Would the president feel and act the same way? I mean, after all, it was images of Syrian children after bombings and gassings that triggered him to into action uh, in that country. You know, you can't justify bombing places because you saw these pictures of these kids suffering and then turn around and treat other immigrant children with absolutely no one care and concern whatsoever. Well, here's the problem with it. I think it goes back with with Stalin. We had the quote that you know, like one death is a tragedy, a million is a statistic. I think if you show Trump an actual person who's suffering, maybe he starts getting sad and wants to help them. But if you just hear about these these Mexicans trying to come in, uh, even if they're from other countries other than Mexico, uh, he's, he, he can easily just wipe it away and just call them a bunch of animals and, and be done with it. Right. It's yeah. all part of the dehumanization process. Really? The Nazis did that, too. Yeah. I, I knew people who were directly affect, affected by that, and they're not around anymore. And I think uh, they'd be sick to their stomach uh, if they saw, you know, even on a, such a small scale. Uh, you know, I'm not. We're obviously not uh, comparing Trump to Hitler. That's stupid. But uh, it's the authoritarian tendencies that that come from these kind of people that can, you know, lead to bad things uh, going forward. So uh, that's why we do this podcast. That's why we fight. Uh, but with so many things with the Trump administration, you can never tell whether they're stupid or bad. <laughs> Trump tweeted out, put pressure on the Democrats to end the horrible law that separates children from their parents uh, once they cross the border into the U.S. Catch- By the way, first of all, he said there, T-H-E-R-E, not the correct uh, there. And second, as we just talked about earlier in this podcast, this is the his, his administration's policy. He's blaming the Democrats. He's telling his base the Democrats are doing this, but it's his own people. What do you think? Does he actually believe that, or is he just un- uninformed, or what's going on? Uh, it's hard to tell. I mean, he's not winning any awards for his intelligence or his humanitarianism. So, I, you know, it really is hard to tell what his uh, what his game is here. It's just it's it's utterly ridiculous. And then you have I, mean, I think we have to be done with the fact uh, of thinking that that John Kelly is the moderating force in the White House. He's really done nothing to curb Trump's crazy tendencies. And it's just going along with him and, and helping him out. Uh, earlier this month, he told NPR that once separated from their parents, children will, quote, be taken care of, put into foster care or whatever. Huh. Uh, I think we want White House policy, especially the White House chief of staff, to have uh, a more, you know, b- better language and, and more certainty than whatever. 
Yeah, the fact is they don't really care. Now, Kelly also said that these immigrants are not good at assimilating because uh, they are uh, undereducated and from rural areas of their countries. And so they're, they're not really prepared with the skills to come into the United States and assimilate. Now, oddly enough, however, according to the Boston Globe, genealogical researcher Monica Pattengall did some research into Kelly's family history, only to yeah. find that many of his ancestors were of the same lower class ilk in Italy and Ireland in the late 1800s. So you should be careful who you criticize without looking into your own family history. And by the way, do you think this is something new? You think uh, when the Irish were coming over, the Italian, they weren't living you know, near each other, all hanging out with other people who are Irish, other people who are Italian? I mean, people for as long as there's been in America have, you know, have stayed with people who are like them, and it slowly, you know, they slowly integrate. I mean, it's been said for a long time that America isn't a melting pot; it's more like a salad that we're all together, but we also kind of stay away either. And, I, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think you can uh, embrace the values of America and being an American while still keeping the things that make you who you are. Well, and Jesse, the salad metaphor is exactly what I use when I'm teaching this to my students. And, and that is that just because you are part of the greater culture of the United States and what makes America great, it doesn't mean you have to give up and lose the entirety of your individual you know, ethnic culture that you come from. Yeah. You know, you can have both ways, and that's what the president seems to fail to understand. Uh, it, it's funny. I, I I learned that, by the way, at a very young age. I was use, I was watching a movie on HBO, like in the afternoon, and there was a movie, it was a the main character was Indian of Indian descent, and he was hanging out with a bunch of friends who were all Indian. I remember asking my dad, like, why why is all of his friends Indian? He's like, what? You don't think that happens to Jewish people who you know, I was or other people? He goes, yeah, you know, it's just the way it is. And if I was able to learn that. Like around 10, you think Trump and his officials, you know, at 70 would be able to figure that out by now. But yeah, we're human. We're tribal. Yeah. It's just the way it is. <sighs> There's also the never ending issue that is North Korea. Uh, it's kind of like a romantic comedy uh, or a sitcom. Like I'm watching Friends and Ross and Rachel or Sam and Diane on Cheers. Will they? Won't they? Will Trump and Kim Jong-un get together? Uh, will they call it off? What's happening there? And it seems to, seems to change by the minute. It really does. And, and, you know, I, for one, am getting tired of this. Either have this meeting, don't have the meeting, but either way, stop the antagonistic behavior back and forth. It's, it's kind of like, like Trump is the girl hitting Kim because he likes him. But doesn't you know doesn't know how to say it? And you see that in, like in elementary schools because he'll talk about you know how how tr uh, Kim will have to be worried about him and and we have this nuclear arsenal. But then also also call me sometime if you want to. It's it's fine. Uh, it, uh, last week the New York Times ran a story about how you know, no matter what we're getting down to the nitty gritty. It's uh, the twelfth is just three weeks away or less than three weeks away, uh, and then no matter what it's gonna be hard to pull off this meeting because there's a short time frame, and that caused Trump to have you know, full meltdown mode. Tweet out the failing New York Times quotes a senior White House official who doesn't exist as saying even if the meeting was reinstated, holding it on the twelfth would be impossible given the lack of time and amount of planning needed. Wrong again. Use real people, not phony sources. Uh, the problem for Trump is that uh, these claims are very uh, easily very verifiable and uh, his claims are uh, verifiably untrue. Yeah, well, it never matters to him. No. It's, uh, it's, I get, but is he lying or is he just uninformed? 
who I mean that's actually this is actually a big fight that I've saw on Twitter. Maggie Haberman was having uh, with some people on Twitter. She kept saying that he that he told made false statements and people were like, Why don't you just say he lied? And she refuses to say he lies and people were kind of going back and forth on this. She was actually arguing with John Cusack, the actor, about this on on Twitter. Uh, so Yashar Ali, uh, he writes for the New York magazine for the Huffington Post. Uh, he revealed that the official that they were quoting was uh, someone by the name of Matt Pottinger, uh, who served as on the National Security Council. Uh, this briefing was attended by dozens of reporters. Uh, there's audio of the briefing where you can hear Deputy, uh, Deputy Press Secretary Raj Shah introduce Pottinger, as well as Pottinger's statement, which Trump uh, says never actually happened. Can you imagine being this guy and then hearing the president say you never existed or this never happened? I think my mind would be blown. Well, I'd imagine at this point he'd rather not be connected to the president in any way. So, yeah, because you know, even though he didn't do anything wrong here, when you Google his name for the rest of his life, this is going to come up and it's going to put a cloud over him. And I, I don't know if it'll harm him in when he's trying to get uh, a new job or, or employment elsewhere. But you know, it, it's not going to be good for him. Uh, there was some discussion whether outing this guy was ethical, uh, but it seems like both the, the circumstance with the president lying and the fact that uh, Ali wasn't actually at the meeting uh, seemed to smooth it over. And this wasn't like a this wasn't like a closer thing. It wasn't something that should not be spoken of. So it seemed like most reporters actually didn't necessarily have a problem with it. And it, it's strange. These are the kind of lies, the stories we expect to hear coming out of North Korea, not America. And that really shows where we are as a country in 2018. So what do you think? What are the odds? Will this meeting actually happen? I, I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be a photo. They're going to talk. They're going to get a picture smiling. He's going to say, well, Kim Jong-un is, is a great guy, you know, even though he's like starving his people and killing them. Um, he'll say that you know, a, great, a great win happened. His people will eat it up. Uh, and in the end, nothing will have changed. And if there is a deal, it'll be much worse than the Ira- Iranian nuclear deal that Trump said was the worst deal ever made by America. Right. It's. I hope it goes the other way. I know. I, North Korea denuclearizing is good for the world, and yes, it's good for Trump, and and uh, that can help in re-election. But you know, I'd rather not die in a nuclear firestorm. So you know, I'm wishing the the best to happen. But I just history says it's not going to happen. Yeah, we shall see. We shall see. I mean, we'll check back to us on the 13th or so and see what happened. Um, the real, the final thing I want to talk about is an issue that's been kind of kicking around for a while now. Uh, but finally, in the last few weeks, the NFL has ruled that players must stand during the national anthem this season. Um, the, this came after a vote by the owners, which my 49ers, they abstained from, which uh, some of their players, I think, are very happy about that. Makes me happy. Well, they were at the center of this when it all began yeah, with Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick. So yeah, God, it seems like a lifetime ago, um, but yeah, it's it's a, it's a totally different world now. Uh, so uh, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell said that the teams uh, whose players and personnel do not stand and show respect for the flag and anthem will be fined by the league, although uh, because the policy does allow them to stay in the locker room. But the, the, the point of the protest wasn't just that they didn't want to say the national anthem. It was that they were actively protesting and staying in the, nas- in the uh, locker room. While it is its own form of protest, it's not as visible to the people watching and not really getting their point across. Yeah, you know, companies have the right to institute policies for their employees. However, this one seems to miss the mark because it's purely profit motivated, right? You know, it's again, just because you can make that policy doesn't mean that you should. When you look at the greater issue of what they're protesting against and that you're doing this, you're forcing them to stand or remain in the locker room solely because it hurt the bottom line for the league. 
Now, there, there's some unethical things going on with that. So, you know, at least players can stay in the locker room where they'll presumably talk about grabbing women's private parts because that's what one does in the locker room, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, locker room you know, talk. But it's still not good enough, in my opinion. And the sad thing is that I, I wish the NFL and the owners had a little more of a backbone uh, because sometimes doing the right thing is more important than the bottom line. And we can talk about boycotts and what's gonna, what would have happened, what might happen. But if the NFL goes away, it's due to safety issues and and people getting concussed and having dementia. It's not going to be over the national anthem. Uh, and, and of course, you know, Trump loved this. He ate it up. Uh, so did Mike Pence. Uh, Trump praised the owners and said, you have to stand proudly for the national anthem. And the NFL owners did the right thing if that's what they've done. Uh, they have to stand proudly. You have to stand proudly for the national anthem. And you shouldn't be or you shouldn't be playing. You shouldn't be there. You sh- Maybe you shouldn't even be in this country. And, and that's. Just another in the long line of insane comments that, that Trump has made. You shouldn't even be in this country if you don't stand for the national anthem. Hmm. Clearly, he doesn't understand what this country stands for. You know, it's real easy to say for someone who has lived a life of privilege and doesn't understand, the, you know, the nexus of where these protests are coming from. You know, it, it's very different, the experience of being a black man or, or any minority in America versus being a wealthy white kid that grew up, you know, in the suburbs and has had no... Uh, you know, problems with the law or anything, you know, it's a very different experience. And so he should do himself a favor and actually look into why these protests are happening instead of painting it with such a broad brush. I understand why some people in this country may be off put by people not standing or people kneeling during the national anthem. But I think what they really need to understand, and I think they don't understand this, is that it's more patriotic to fight for the rights of someone not to stand than to actually stand. I mean, allowing people to do things that are unpopular but within their rights and fighting for that, I and mean, that's you can't get more American than that. One of the things I love uh, is a video Penn and Teller had put out there on one of their magic shows where they do a trick where they possibly burn the United States flag, and they, they say, you know, are, are we burning the flag or are we celebrating the freedoms that allow us to do that? And that's they're being patriotic and saying that, you know, if you were in China and you try doing that, you know, they'll stop you to the ground. You can't do that. I mean, we have to say that uh, we have to understand there are things that go on in this country that we don't necessarily agree with, uh, but it's people's right. I mean, freedom of speech, freedom to do uh, all sorts of things. And guess what, Kevin? Do you ever stand when you're watching? You watched the Celtics game last night. Did you stand for the national anthem? I did not. Most people don't do. They do when they're at these games. But if they really meant so much to them, they would stand before the Super Bowl, before all of these games. And now they're at home drinking beer and watching TV. Yeah, they might drop their Budweisers or their Buffalo Wings. Yeah, so, you know. Hey, nothing wrong with a Buffalo Wing now and then. Uh, it's it's just crazy. And like you said, it's it's – it's just sad. Uh, Representative Keith Ellison, who, by the way, he's the deputy chair of the DNC, had tweeted out that uh, he was going to be uh, boycotting uh, this season. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to go that far. Uh, first, I'm kind of excited about the 49ers this year, so I want to watch it. But uh, do you think a significant people uh, number of people will boycott, or is this just you know, more bluster? Well, I think perhaps the pendulum will swing the other direction, you know, and what will the owners do when this happens, when the people who are on the side of the protesters now start boycotting and don't watch and takes out a, a portion of the NFL's money? Uh, will the owners swing back the other way and allow protests to happen again, or will they come up with some other solution? You know, it's you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, but, you know, we'll we'll see what happens with this. It's Either way, it's going to hurt the league's bottom line. So perhaps we should get to the bottom of the issue as a country and maybe solve some of these problems. And again, look at the reason why people are protesting instead of just poo-pooing it. If you've ever doubted 
that there's such a thing as too much money. Uh, this shows that's not possible because these are a bunch of millionaires and multimillionaires and billionaires who own football teams who are making decisions because they want to get more money. And, uh, you know, that's, again, in this case, it's not really the reason you should be doing that. Uh, at least you have some owners. Like, so the the acting owner of the New York Jets, uh, Christopher Johnson, said he would actually pay the fines for players who wanted to kneel, which I think is great. It's funny because the actual owner, Woody Johnson, is Trump's ambassador to the U.K., so it's kind of sticking it to him right there. Yeah, you know, that's, that's kind of ironic and, and funny all the same. Uh, and then, of course, you have Representative Pete King was very upset with that and uh, said, disgraceful, disgraceful that the New York Jets owners will pay fines for players who kneel for the national anthem. Encouraging a movement premise on lies versus police. Would he support all player protests? Would he pay fines for players giving Nazi salutes or speed racism? It's a good time to say goodbye to the Jets. Well, first of all, uh, King has always been kind of a lunatic. This confirms it. You know, well, yeah, Nazi, that's, that makes sense. And second of all, the, the Jets play in Jersey. He's a representative from New York. So, you know, come down there, Pete. Also, the Jets are terrible. So, you know, what does it matter? <laughs> now, they're, they're always just one year away or one draft away. We'll, we'll see. How, they have three quarterbacks this year, and they probably will all be horrible. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Bring back Geno Smith. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, I, I actually was a fan of the Jets back when they had Ken O'Brien in the, in the late 80s. Then they got rid of him for Browning Nagel. It was very upsetting for me. Um, anyways, what do you have for Kevin's Corner tonight? Well, Jesse, as it is Memorial Day, I do feel compelled to acknowledge the true meaning of this day. We pause to remember those who gave of themselves, paying the ultimate price, not in the defense of a specific president or of a symbol such as the flag, but rather for the ideals of democracy that this nation has stood for for over the last 242 years. Regardless of the war, each of these men and women died in defense of a cause much greater than themselves, not so that they could be trivialized by a president who hides behind false patriotism and makes all occasions about himself. Also of note, the ideal of democracy are often being extended by the United States to countries all over the world. We send our troops around the world to fight in order to install democracy or to defend a fledgling one that is already in place. However, when this fails or certain countries are left behind, many of the most vulnerable in those places give up everything in an attempt to reach the United States in search of the very promises our democracy has made over the last two and a half centuries. How dare we fault these people who seek the very protections that so many young Americans have given their lives to defend in places like Below Wood, Normandy, Chosin, Quezon, or Kandahar. To deny humanity to those seeking a better life here, to separate children from their mothers, to treat these immigrants without any sense of compassion would mean that all of those we remember on this day have died in vain. As always, Kevin, very well said, especially on a day today, Memorial Day. Well, to everybody listening, remember to go to our website at grabbenbythepod.com. You can see all, uh, everything you want to know about Kevin, everything you want to know about me, and just find some other goodies uh, and we'll we'll work hard to get another episode out next week. Keep this podcast going weekly. And we do have a couple of uh, spots here or there, but hey, life gets in the way sometimes. What are you going to do? Am I right, Kevin? You are right. You know, <laughs> or people could start donating to the cause, so we don't have to work real jobs. Yes, and we please. can just do this for a living. You know, Kevin, we're we're a couple of idiots because we're both super busy. And we just keep adding more stuff to our plate rather than doing less. We just do more, and uh, it just makes it even more of a pain in the butt. But this is a labor of love, so I think it'll keep us coming back no matter how busy we actually get. Yes, love will find a way. <laughs> love will keep us together. 
All right, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening, and it has been fun. Later. Later.